This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Every summer, I have the distinct pleasure of spending an entire month with people from all over the world here in Dallas teaching the Arabic language, Quranic Arabic, the language of the Quran, and discussing and exploring the timeless lessons and wisdoms of the Book of Allah. We call this experience Quran Intensive. Please check out BayinaSummer.com That's B-A-Y-Y-I-N-A-H Summer.com to get more information and sign up. I look forward to seeing you here, inshallah, at the Quran Intensive. A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem ولو اتبع الحق وأهواءهم لفسدت السماوات والأرض وما فيهن بل أتيناهم بذكرهم فهم عن ذكرهم معرضون أم تسألهم خرجا فخراج ربك خير وهو خير الرازقين وإنك لتدعوهم إلى صراط مستقيم وَإِنَّ الَّذِينَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْآخِرَةِ عَنِ الصِّرَاطِ لَنَاكِبُونَ وَلَوْ رَحِمْنَاهُمْ وَكَشَفْنَا مَا بِهِمْ مِنْ ضُرٍّ لَلَجُّوا فِي طُغْيَانِهِمْ يَعْمَهُونَ وَلَقَدْ أَخَذْنَاهُمْ بِالْعَذَابِ فَمَا اسْتَكَانُوا لِرَبِّهِمْ فَمَا اسْتَكَانُوا لِرَبِّهِمْ وَمَا يَتَضَرَّعُونَ حتى إذا فتحنا عليهم بابا ذا عذاب شديد ذا عذاب شديد إذا هم فيه مبلسون وهو الذي أنشأ لكم السمع والأبصار والأفئدة قليلا ما تشكرون وهو الذي ذرأكم في الأرض وإليه تحشرون وهو الذي يحيي ويميت وله اختلاف الليل والنهار أفلا تعقلون بل قالوا مثل ما قال الأولون قالوا أئذا متنا وكنا ترابا وعظاما أئنا لمبعوثون لقد وعدنا نحن وآباؤنا هذا من قبل إن هذا إلا أساطير الأولين الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين In the previous session we were discussing the uh, concluding with ayah number 70, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about, or rather in the last few ayat that we discussed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about their attitude towards the Prophet wasallam and towards the Qur'an and the message that they're being called to. And some of the accusations that they make, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deconstructs a lot of their accusations and a lot of the baseless arguments that they're making 
that whether they're, it's simply due to their arrogance, they don't even listen, let alone ponder and reflect on what the Qur'an is saying. They're stuck on the fact that, well, our forefathers didn't believe this, so how can we? The, they have the audacity to claim as if the Prophet is some stranger that showed up out of nowhere when they know him very well. They go as far as making the ridiculous accusation and slander of the Prophet being insane or crazy. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exposes them by saying that in reality, they just don't want to hear or deal with the truth. So here in ayah number 71, Allah says, وَلَوِتَّبَعَ الْحَقُّ أَهْوَاءَهُمْ لَفَسَدَتِ السَّمَاوَاتُ وَالْأَرْضُ وَمَنْ فِيهِنْ بَلْ أَتَيْنَاهُمْ بِذِكْرِهِمْ فَهُمْ عَنْ ذِكْرِهِمْ مُعْرِضُونَ Very, very powerful. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a translation says, But if the truth were in accordance with their desires, the heavens, the earth, and everyone in them would disintegrate. We have brought them their reminder, and they turn away from it. So there's quite a few things to process here. First and foremost, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, the first part of the ayah says, if the truth, if the truth was to follow their desires, as the translator said, if the truth was in accordance with their desires, if the truth were to follow their desires. And that's very interesting, and the translation's really not reflecting one particular aspect of it. That's the very first thing I want to talk about before I get into the discussion that some of the classical uh, you know, exegetes, some of the classical mufassirun of the Qur'an have about the concept and the word al-haqq, and what exactly it makes reference to. First and foremost, very interesting, it didn't say, you know, as a translation might kind of give the impression that if the truth was in accordance with their desires, وَلَوْ كَانَ الْحَقُّ مِثْلَ أَهْوَائِهِمْ or وَفْقَ أَهْوَائِهِمْ that if the truth was in accordance with their desires, that's not what the ayah says. The ayah says, وَلَوْ اِتَّبَعَ الْحَقُّ أَهْوَائِهِمْ that if the truth were to follow their desires. And the reason why that's very interesting is that اِتِّبَاعَ is an action. It is an active description of following the desires. So what that naturally implies is that if the truth were to follow their desires, well, desires are ever-changing. Desires are constantly changing, right? So that would mean that there would, in reality, be no truth. There'd be no reality, there'd be no truth, right? We talked about earlier how al-haq, um, in the root of the word, refers to stability and consistency, that consistency would be gone, that stability would be gone, and if there's no consistency and stability, you don't call that al-haq in Arabic. So it no longer would be reality and truth, because it'd be in accordance with desire, so it'd always be evolving. It'd be following the ebbs and flows of desire, right? And so that in and of itself would be very problematic, and Allah exposes this fact, that as human beings... Just like physically, emotionally, psychologically, granted, you know, ups and downs are a part of the human condition, but at the same time, physically, emotionally, psychologically, we do crave a certain amount of stability. There has to be some type of core, and when that stability and that core and that consistency is gone, that is what basically throws a human being into the, the, that's what throws a human being into flux. And that's what creates you know, the, the paranoia and the panic and the anxiety within the human being. But the human, human being craves at least at the core of things. As a foundation craves that stability. And spiritually, that stability is provided by the truth, which is the Qur'an, which is Islam, which is the religion. Right? So that's the first thing Allah exposes you, which is very powerful. Secondly... What, what's exactly meant by here al-haq? Now we can simply translate it as truth, but some of the mufassirun dug a little bit deeper and really explored this particular concept that what's meant here by al-haq. 
and many of the Mufassirun from Razi uh, and Qurtubi and others, uh, Ibn Ashur and many, many others have really discussed this particular concept. And one of the positions or the opinions is that Al-Haq is one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Al-Haq is one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? He's referred to as Al-Haq within the Qur'an itself, right? Um, so the first interpretation of this is that it's referring to Allah. That if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was to follow their desires, meaning if Allah would legislate in accordance with the desires of the people, لَفَسَدَتِ السَّمَاوَاتُ وَالْأَرْضُ وَمَنْ فِيهِنْ That the heavens, the earth, and everyone inside of them would completely be destroyed. Right? Fasada. It would be corrupted. It'd be destroyed. Right? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explains this concept in Surah Al-Anbiya. لَوْ كَانَ فِيهِمَا آلِهَةٌ إِلَى اللَّهُ لَفَسَدَتَ Because ultimately, part of being God, being the authority, and the divine authority, the divine power, is the fact that legislation comes from Him. But if He's legislating based on someone or something else, right? That basically means now God's authority has dissipated or been distributed. And if that's the case, then Allah has already told us what the consequence and the outcome of that is. And that is the simple fact that that would wreak havoc on the heavens and the earth. The creation would not survive that, that, that instability. Right? So that's the first interpretation of it. The second thing, of course, is the fact that it's referring to the Qur'an. That it would wreak havoc on the heavens and the earth and everyone within because of that instability again that it would cause. And the Qur'an is of course, um, you know, even the legislation and the law from Allah and the Qur'an, Allah talks about this within the Qur'an. Lawla, um, that if Allah was to listen to them, they said, لَوْلَا نُزِلَ هَذَا الْقُرْآنُ عَلَىٰ رَجُلٍ مِنَ الْقَرْيَتَيْنِ عَظِيمٍ عَلَىٰ رَجُلٍ عَظِيمٍ مِنَ الْقَرْيَتَيْنِ عَلَىٰ رَجُلٍ مِنَ الْقَرْيَتَيْنِ عَظِيمٍ That if they had their way, they would have chosen the fact that this message and prophethood would have been bestowed upon just the most politically influential individual from one of the two big cities, Mecca or Ta'if. And they were, most of the Mufassirun say they were talking about Abu Jahal or Abu Mas'ud al-Thaqafi, the leader of Ta'if, that they would have just said, okay, yeah, prophethood should be given to this man. Why? Just because he's a politically intimidating and politically a little bit more influential. But what do we know about the character of these individuals? Especially Abu Jahl, right? It's, it's completely been exposed within the seerah that this was a very, very corrupt individual. Then can you imagine if that type of trust would have been placed in the hands of that type of a man? So they would, they, they, they would have no concern for what effect that would have on the people. Allah says, أَهُمْ يَقْسِمُونَ رَحْمَةَ رَبِّكَ Right? That if, think about the concept that if they were responsible for distributing the mercy of your Lord, right? Who they would bestow that mercy upon? Right? Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu said that if it was up to these people, I would have been last in line for anything good. Right? So would they, how would they distribute the mercy of Allah? قُلْ لَوْ أَنْتُمْ تَمْلِكُونَ خَزَائِنَ الرَّحْمَةِ رَبِّي إِذَا لَأَمْسَكْتُمْ خَشْيَةَ الْإِنْفَاقِ In Surah 17, Ayah 100, Allah says, that say to them, that if you were in charge of distributing the treasures of mercy, the treasures of the mercy of my Lord, like if you were in charge of distributing the mercy of Allah, إِذَا لَأَمْسَكْتُمْ خَشْيَةَ الْإِنْفَاقِ That human beings by nature are just so covetous, and they're so miserly and, and paranoid that you would have just held the mercy back from everyone afraid that it would run out. Right? But Allah showers His mercy upon everyone and anyone. 
أم لهم نصيب من الملك فإذا لا يؤتون الناس نقيرا In Surah Nisa, Surah 4, Ayah 53, Allah says that if they would have had any type of a say in the power and the control of Allah, they wouldn't give people even a drop. They wouldn't have given people anything. Right? So the haq here also refers to right, the governance and the law from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then goes on to say, بَلْ أَتَيْنَاهُمْ بِذِكْرِهِمْ فَهُمْ عَنْ ذِكْرِهِمْ مُعْرِضُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, rather, we have given them, we have bestowed upon them, we have granted them, بَلْ أَتَيْنَاهُمْ بِذِكْرِهِمْ Now this is a very interesting construction. Allah says that we have bestowed upon them their remembrance, their mention. Now what does that exactly mean? The word dhikr, right, is the mustar form, the base form. So it has multiple layers and multiple meanings. One meaning of dhikr is that we have given them that which is beneficial to them, that which reminds them. فَهُمْ عَنْ ذِكْرِهِمْ مُعْرِضُونَ They just don't want to be reminded. They're the ones deliberately and intentionally turning away from what is beneficial for them and the reminder for them. So that's one particular meaning of it. And that's what uh, Ibn Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhuma, uh, Imam al-Qurtubi mentions that Ibn Abbas said that بِبَيَانِ الْحَقِّ وَذِكْرِ مَا لَهُمْ بِهِ حَاجَةٌ مِنْ أَمْرِ الدِّينِ That by reminding them what is good and what is beneficial for them and what they are in need of spiritually. So it's their reminder, a reminder for them. Qatada similarly says that بِمَا لَهُمْ فِيهِ ذِكْرُ ثَوَابِهِمْ وَعِقَابِهِمْ Right? That it has a reminder of what is the outcome of good and what is the outcome of bad. Again, a reminder. Right? But there's another meaning of when you create this construction, ذِكْرِهِمْ Their reminder that has another meaning, another, another implication as well. And As-Suddi and Sufyan, rahimahumullah uh, ta'ala say, بِمَا فِيهِ شَرْفُهُمْ وَعِزُّهُمْ and this is alluded to in Surah Al-Anbiya, Surah number 21 as well. Allah says, لَقَدْ أَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكُمْ كِتَابًا فِيهِ ذِكْرُكُمْ That the same two meanings imply there. That we have most definitely sent down to you, we have revealed to you a book in which is a reminder for you. It's beneficial for you, but it also means in it is your mention. And what's meant by that in the Arabic language, your mention is that this is an opportunity for you to solidify your place in history. This is an opportunity for you to leave a legacy. Who did I just quote? I just quoted Abdullah bin Abbas. Why did I just quote Abdullah bin Abbas? Because he was one of those people that met the Prophet ﷺ, heard the Qur'an being recited, saw the Qur'an being sent down and being revealed, believed in it, listened to it, reflected on it, sat there, learned it, and taught it on forward and implemented it and realized it within his life. And 1400 years later, we're still talking about Abdullah bin Abbas. So Allah was telling them that we're in fact putting you in a very advantageous position. This is an opportunity for you to solidify your place in history, to leave a legacy, to be of benefit to countless generations of people that will come after you. It's good for you, it's an opportunity for you. But Allah says, بِذِكْرِهِمْ We gave them the ultimate opportunity. بَلْ هُمْ عَنْ ذِكْرِهِمْ But rather, they themselves would rather walk away from this opportunity. فَهُمْ عَنْ ذِكْرِهِمْ Rather, they themselves deliberately are walking away from this opportunity. So who do they have to blame but themselves? Right? So this is a little bit of that accountability and responsibility that everybody has to take for themselves and their actions.
In ayah number 72, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues the deconstruction of any type of paranoia that they might have about the Prophet So first of all, in ayah 71, it's been said, well, why can't the religion just be a little bit more accommodating of what we want to do? Where Allah says that, you know, if we were to accommodate what you want, that'd be bad for you. And then secondly, we're not subjugating you, we're honoring you. But you're not interested in that. In ayah number 72, Allah says, أَمْ تَسْأَلُهُمْ خَرْجًا فَخَرَاجُ رَبِّكَ خَيْرٌ وَهُوَ خَيْرُ رَازِقِينَ Translation says, do you, O Prophet, ask them for any payment? Your Lord's is the best payment. He is the best of providers. So Allah is saying now, أَمْ تَسْأَلُهُمْ خَرْجًا What is the meaning of kharj? Kharj is, um, so as... Uh, the scholars of the language explains, Makhshari and Abu Amr ibn al-Ala and many others uh, explain this particular term, al-kharj. It says, ma tabarra'ta bihi. It basically refers to some type of extra payment that's made. And then the next word is kharaj. Kharjan, kharaj. Right? They sound very similar, but there's a difference of the alif in the middle if you look at it. Kharaj is ma lazimaka ada'uhu. Right, that which is mandatory on you to give, and in fact, even legally speaking, legally speaking in fiqh, right, in Islamic law and Islamic jurisprudence, we have an issue called kharaj, and kharaj is basically like a land tax that is paid, land that is taxed. So that's called kharaj. So kharaj means that which is mandatory to give, kind of like a mandatory tax, right? But kharjan is something more given on top of that. And so it's very interesting, it's saying, أَمْ kharjan. Are you asking them for any type of a payment on top? And the reason why it uses the word, part of the wisdom of why it uses the word for extra payment, is again, because the religion might require you to give something. Because if, if you say that the religion won't require you to give anything at all, then what happens the second that they're told to give zakat? Then they're going to show up. Oh, I thought you said we don't have to give anything. No, no, you have to give. But that, this much is also clarified, you don't give to the messenger. And that's why, again, in the divine wisdom, what did the Prophet ﷺ tell us? He said, it is impermissible, haram. Right? Very strong word. It is impermissible, haram, for the Prophet ﷺ or any of his family members to receive from charity funds. They are not allowed to receive from charity. Zakat is not permissible for the Prophet ﷺ or his family members, right? As was really demonstrated as well with the interaction of Salman al-Farisi, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, that that was one of the tests, right? That the Prophet of the last times, when you go and give him charity, that he will distribute it amongst those who are in need of it, but he himself will not take any of it for him or his family. And that's exactly what the Prophet ﷺ did. Right? In fact, the Prophet of Allah ﷺ was so particular, so strict about this. Listen to this. Again, uh, I'm gonna kind of divulge a bit, but bear with me. We know the Prophet ﷺ's character, how loving, how kind, how affectionate, how you know, generous and you know, loving he was. Right? That especially with children and then especially with you know, his own children how affectionate he was, right? That Hassan Hussein radiallahu ta'ala anhumah could walk into the masjid and disrupt the khutbah 
And the Prophet ﷺ would step down from the minbar, pick them up, kiss them, hug them, smile, and make them feel better, soothe them and calm them in the middle of Jumu'ah khutbah. Right? Can you imagine if your mom did that today? We'd fire him on the spot. Right? We wouldn't even let him lead prayer. No, you know leading prayer. Right? He doesn't know the rules of Jumu'ah. Right? That's what we would say. May Allah forgive us. But the Prophet ﷺ was so affectionate that in the middle of the khutbah, he's accommodating them. He's, he's consoling them, right? Um, that the Prophet ﷺ goes in sujood and they climb on his back. And the Prophet ﷺ stays in sujood for an extended period of time. Why? I didn't want to mess up their playtime. I didn't want to mess up their playtime. That's how loving and affectionate the Prophet ﷺ was. But the Prophet ﷺ is walking with Hassan, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, his grandson. And he's a boy, six, seven years old. He narrates this, he remembers this. He says, we were walking, and as we were walking outside the masjid, there were the dates that were collected for zakat. It was zakat fund. Dates were being collected to be distributed amongst the poor. And what does a child do when they see food or something? They go and they grab it. That's what a child does. Right? So Hassan radiallahu ta'ala anhu goes and picks up a date. And the Prophet ﷺ takes it out of his hand. Can you imagine that? Have you done that to your kid? Or to a child? In general? Like it's heartbreaking. Right? But he takes it out of his hand. And he puts it back into the pile. And then he's teaching his grandson. Because this is so important. That we cannot take from this. We can't eat from this. I'll get you some dates at home. But that, you're my family. We can't touch that. Right? So, the Prophet of Allah, so what I'm trying to explain is, Allah uses the word kharjan, which is extra. Like, I'm not asking for you something on top for me. Put a little, you know, grease, grease my palm a little. That's, no, no, no. But on top of that, the reason why Allah used that word kharjan, which means extra, because the religion might require you to give something. وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ لِلزَّكَاتِ فَاعِلُونَ Right? أَقِيمُوا الصَّلَاةِ وَأَتُوا الزَّكَاةِ You have to give charity. It's a part of your spiritual you know, exercise. But even within that, Allah put so much strength upon the Prophet ﷺ and the family of the Prophet ﷺ that they, it is haram for them to touch. They are not allowed to interact with it at all. Right? So, أَمْ تَسْأَلُهُمْ kharjan. Are you asking them for something on top? And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَخَرَاجُ رَبِّكَ What your Lord has provided is better. That tell them, my Lord directly provides for me. I don't need what you have. وَهُوَ خَيْرُ الرَّازِقِينَ He is the best of those who could ever have the ability to sustain. And we talked about the way to understand this, right? Allah is the only raziq. Allah is the only one who sustains. So one meaning of this is that it's using the word raziq in the very literal sense. Just anyone who feeds at somebody else. Right? But more so, another way to understand it is that it's hypothetically saying, even if anybody else would have ever had the ability to say, nobody would be a better provider than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? And so, as I was mentioning before, that yes, the religion might require you to give something, but even then in the Quran, what say? لِسَّائِلِ حَقُّ وَفِي أَمْوَالِهِمْ حَقٌّ مَعْلُومٌ لِسَّائِلِ وَالْمَحْرُومٌ that you're asked to give something, but it's specifically for the one who needs it. 
اليتامى والمساكين والفقراء إنما الصدقات للفقراء والمساكين right that is for the poor and the needy it's for the orphans it's for the destitute it's for them the prophet the messenger doesn't touch it not even with a 10 foot pole قُلْ مَا سَأَلْتُكُمْ مِنْ أَجْرٍ فَهُوَ لَكُمْ إِنْ أَجْرِ إِلَّا عَلَى اللَّهِ That I have been asked you in Surah Saba, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, ayah number 47, Allah tells the Prophet ﷺ to say, مَا سَأَلْتُكُمْ مِنْ أَجْرٍ I have not asked you for any type of recompense or reward. فَهُوَ لَكُمْ That is, it's all for you, it's for your own good. إِنْ أَجْرِ إِلَّا عَلَى اللَّهِ My reward is from Allah. قُلْ مَا أَسَلَكُمْ عَلَيْهِ مِنْ أَجْرٍ وَمَا أَنَا مِنَ الْمُتَكَلِّفِينَ In Surah Sa'd, Ayah 86. Again, Allah tells the Prophet ﷺ, Say, I do not ask you upon this, this message that I'm sharing with you, any type of reward or recompense. وَمَا أَنَا مِنَ الْمُتَكَلِّفِينَ I will not obligate you in the least bit to provide anything for me. In Surah Al-Shura, Surah 42, Ayah 23, قُلْ لَا أَسَلُكُمْ عَلَيْهِ أَجْرًا إِلَّا الْمَوَدَّةَ فِي الْقُرْبَى this is about as clear as it gets. Allah tells the Prophet ﷺ, saying, I will never ever ask you for any type of material reward. Nothing. All I'm ever going to ask you to do is to be good to your own family members. Yeah, I'll tell you to spend money, but not on me, on your family. Spend money on your children. Spend money on your family members. I don't want nothing that you have. And in Surah Yasin, Surah 36, Ayah 20 and 21, it talks about that man that came from the outskirts of town to provide support for the prophets, the, mess- the prophets who had been sent. And he says, Follow these people who don't ask you for anything in return. And they are rightly guided by Allah. So this is another deconstruction. Oh, maybe he's got some ulterior motive. He's got some other agenda. He's got some secret plan. He's trying to capitalize on this or that or that or this. No, 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 no. This is all your paranoia. It's completely unfounded. It's completely baseless and preposterous and ridiculous. Now in Ayah 73, Allah says, وَإِنَّكَ لَتَدْعُهُمْ إِلَىٰ صِرَاطٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ So after saying what you do not do, right? You're not crazy. You're not asking anything in exchange or return. But what are you doing? Ayah 73, You call them to a straight path. And most definitely you, without a doubt, are constantly calling them to a straight path. And we haven't talked about the concept of the straight path, but again, mustaqim refers to a few different things. Mustaqim is a very interesting word for straight, where it doesn't just simply mean straight, it has three meanings at the very least that we can talk about. It refers to something being straight, it refers to something being consistent, and it also refers to something more standing up than rather straight, like in a, in a linear fashion, more so like vertical straight. And so there's three concepts at the very least kind of merged into here that at least I'll talk about straight, right? And of course, they talk about it, right? The shortest distance between two points is straight line. This is the best, the fastest, and the quickest way for you to reach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To reach salvation. To find success. Number two, consistency. That this path won't fail you. And that's why a lot of times Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He talks about that straight path, He says, ala siratul mustaqim. Upon the straight path. Because this path is so consistent, it has no turns, it has no sharp turns, it has no, you know, um, 
areas where you have to worry about it, where you have to get off, where you have to get back on, where you have to worry about connecting, where you have to worry about switching, nothing like that. You just get on and then you're on for the ride. All you have to do is have the foresight and have the conviction to just get on. That's it. It'll take you the rest of the way. You just have to take that first step. You just have to get on board. And third thing is instead of just being straight like in a linear fashion, it's talking about it being upright because it will elevate you. It will elevate your existence. It's good for you. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, of course Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the Prophet some other places in the Quran as well. In Surah Al-Hajj, ayah number, in Surah 20, uh, 22, ayah number 67, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, That call to your Lord and your Master, because most definitely you are upon a guidance that again is straight and upright. وَدْعُوا إِلَىٰ رَبِّكْ إِنَّكَ لَعَلَىٰ هُدًا مُسْتَقِيمٌ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to the Prophet sallallahu وَلَا يَسُدَّنَّكَ عَنْ آيَاتِ اللَّهِ بَعْدَ إِذْ أُنْزِلَتْ إِلَيْكَ وَدْعُوا إِلَىٰ رَبِّكْ وَلَا تَكُنَّنَّ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ Surah Qasas, Surah 28, Ayah 87. Allah says that do not, um, do not be deluded, don't be derailed, don't be distracted. From the, they should not block you from the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after they have come down to you. Rather, you call them to your Lord and Master and never be from amongst those who associate partners to Allah. فَلِذَلِكَ فَدْعُوا وَاسْتَقِمْ كَمَا أُمِرْتَ Surah 24, Surah Tushura, or excuse me, Surah 40, uh, 42. Excuse me, I'm all over the place. Surah 42, ayah 15. Surah Tushura, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَلِذَلِكَ And in accordance with that, فَدْعُوا Call, فَاسْتَقِمْ كَمَا أُمِرْتَ And stay consistent as you have been commanded to do. اُدْعُوا إِلَىٰ سَبِيلِ رَبِّكَ بِالْحِكْمَةِ وَالْمَوْعِذَةِ الْحَسَنَةِ in Surah Al-Nahl, Surah 16, Ayah 125, Allah says, Call to the path of your Lord, your Master Allah, with wisdom and with a beautiful reminder. وَإِنَّكَ لَتَدْعُوهُمْ إِلَىٰ صِرَاطٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ As we read here in Surah Al-Mu'minun, وَإِنَّكَ لَتَهْدِي إِلَىٰ صِرَاطٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ That most definitely you are guiding to the straight path. فَتَوَكَّلَ عَلَى اللَّهِ إِنَّكَ عَلَى الْحَقِّ الْمُبِينَ That rely upon Allah because most definitely you are upon the clear and evident truth. ثُمَّ جَعَلْنَاكَ عَلَىٰ شَرِيعَةٍ مِنَ الْأَمْرِ فَاتَّبِعْهَا We have given you the ultimate form of legislation and law, so follow it. وَيَهْدِيَكَ صِرَاطًا مُسْتَقِيمًا And in Surah Al-Fatih, Allah tells the Prophet ﷺ that you, He is guiding you up to the straight path upon the straight path, by means of the straight path. Right? So you stay on the course that you have been put on. In the next ayah, Ayah number 74, Allah says, وَإِنَّ الَّذِينَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْآخِرَةِ عَنِ الصِّرَاطِ لَنَاكِبُونَ Again, talking about that path, Allah says, in the translation rather says, and those who do not believe in the hereafter, turn away from that path. Those who do, don't believe in the hereafter, they turn away from that path. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that, and this is a very interesting you know, argument that's being made here, that following the law and the legislation, we had a conversation earlier today in the Q&A, where we, kind of, we talked about this, um, but for everyone's benefit, I'll reiterate very briefly that a lot of times the law and the legislation is something that people question. 
And sometimes we might end up confused because of people's questioning of the law and the legislation. Why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? Why is this not permissible? Why is that not allowed? Why is this allowed versus that not being allowed? And so on and so forth. What we have to understand, there's a lot of area for discussion and exploration about the wisdom of God's legislation, what Allah has ordained. But what we have to ultimately understand is that the key that really unlocks understanding and really coming to terms, coming to peace with what Allah has legislated, because maybe we can understand, and maybe we don't understand right now. But there is some wisdom in Allah's legislation that will open itself up to us, you know, further down the road. Maybe we haven't yet reached a point where we can understand or appreciate what Allah has legislated. But compliance is still something that's required of us. Whether right now I grasp this or not, Right? Uh, again, just a very rudimentary you know, example. You know, there might be an issue with uh, wine or alcohol. Allah has made it impermissible. It is haram. So maybe somebody doesn't, has not yet understood exactly why. They don't see right, the wisdom in that legislation. They personally do not. Com- in Islam though, compliance with that is still required. It's still impermissible. Whether that person right now understands why it's impermissible or not, it's still impermissible because Allah said so. Right? Well, the thing that will give you the strength and the conviction to live by what Allah has ordained, whether you understand it or not, is whether or not you first and foremost have firm belief and conviction in the life of the hereafter. Because if you believe in the life of the hereafter, then what you understand is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mandated certain things. Allah has made certain things impermissible. And ultimately, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward me for being compliant with what Allah has required of me. And that reward is something that I look forward to, that I, you know, am in anticipation of, that I know is coming my way. So if I end up having to make a temporary quote-unquote, sacrifice, then it's okay, it's all good. Right? When, let's say you're studying for an exam. Right? That uh, maybe what you at least perceive like your future hinges upon. Right? Your career hinges on how you do on this exam. Or maybe you're working on a project that again has a huge promotion or some type of bonus involved in it. There's some reward. And what ends up happening in the course of preparing for that exam or working on that project? Sleep is out the door, right? Food is out the door. Your personal well-being and health, forget about it. Sometimes even family, you know, you tell the family, listen, I'm just not going to see you for a week, right? I got to do this. Why? Because you have such conviction and faith and belief and anticipation of that reward, right? That it's all worth the sacrifice, Well, the life of the hereafter is the ultimate reward. And what type of sacrifice do you think is worthy of the ultimate reward? At least a very substantial sacrifice, a significant amount of sacrifice, which, dare I say, Allah does not even require of us. And when you compare it and contrast it to what awaits 
And so that's what Allah is saying, That those people who specifically just do not believe in the life of the hereafter, they turn away from the path. Because it's, now it's, I mean, it's impossible. Even logically you think about it, if there's no reward, why am I, you know, if there's no, you know, big promotion or bonus, then why am I not sleeping and not eating and not going home? What point? Right? What's the point of all this? So then of course they turn away from the path. Not to justify it, but it's just stating it as a fact. Lanakibun, this, this word, nakaba, the root, lanakibun is a very interesting word that's used here in this particular ayah. Nakaba, the, uh, some of the scholars of the language, they explain, Imam al-Qurtubi states, that an-nakbu an tariqi yankabu nukuban idha adala anhu, adila anhu, wa mala ila ghayrihi, wa minhu nakibatir rihu, idha lam tasakim ala majran, wa sharru rihi an-nakba. He says that an-nakab refers to going away from the path and diverting to something else. And from this, when a wind kind of swirls, when a wind, like a wind doesn't have like a particular current or a direction, but it's like swirling winds. And that's, that's the worst type of wind. And the Arabs would refer to that type of wind as nakba. Nakba. That's not following the current. It's not following a pattern. Right? Swirling winds. Right? And so that's what nakab refers to. That is just spinning around. And so by means of using this word, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also alludes to something very profound. That they die, not, not do they just turn away from the path or get off the path, get off the rails, as we say. They go off the rails, but they just start to spin out of control. They're just fishtailing. They're spinning out of control. The world starts to spin out of control. Nothing makes any sense anymore. And so they were trying to make sense of things, but what they do is end up spinning themselves out. And nothing makes any sense anymore. And then, subhanAllah, may Allah protect us all. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَنَاكِبُونَ in the nominal form, as a noun, as an ism. And they will continue to spin out of control, so much so that even in the life of the hereafter, they'll just be spinning out of control. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us all. In ayah number 75, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَوْ رَحِمْنَاهُمْ وَكَشَّفْنَا مَا بِهِمْ مِنْ ذُرٍ Because now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is basically, what He has said is, they will be held accountable for these choices and these decisions. But now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the translation of which is, even if we were to show them mercy and relieve them of distress, they would blindly persist in their transgression. This is talking about both in the life of this world and the life of the hereafter. The Qur'an corroborates both meanings. That Allah is saying, وَلَوْ رَحِمْنَاهُمْ If we were to have even, if we were to have mercy upon them, has Allah not already had mercy upon them? By granting them their existence, and giving them, providing for them, taking care of them, and on and on and on. Right? But Allah is saying, okay, even if we were to have more mercy upon them. وَكَشَفْنَا Kashaf in the Arabic language means to remove, to open. And we were to remove from them, مَا بِهِمْ مِنْ ذُرِّنْ مَا بِهِمْ مِنْ ذُرِّنْ that which has fallen upon them from adversity and difficulty, they would still persist in their, you know, in their transgression. They would push forward in their transgression 
another translator says, they would still persist in their insolent transgression, wandering blindly. Right? Very, very powerful. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about this multiple places in the Qur'an. In Surah Al-Anfal, ayah number 23, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَوْ عَلِمَ اللَّهُ فِيهِمْ خَيْرًا لَأَسْمَعَهُمْ If Allah knew that they would actually listen, then Allah would make them listen. وَلَوْ أَسْمَعَهُمْ لَتَوَلَّوْهُمْ مُعْرِدُونَ But right now, as it stands, if Allah made them listen, made them hear what is being said, forced it, like shoved it down their throats, أَسْمَعَهُمْ لَتَوَلَّوْهُمْ مُعْرِدُونَ They would still turn away and continue to ignore it. In Surah Al-An'am, ayah 27 through 29, Allah says, وَلَوْ تَرَى إِذْ وُقِفُوا عَلَى النَّارِ That if you could only just see that when they will be placed at the edge of the fire of hell. Scary stuff. That they'll be made to line up right there at the brink, at the edge of the fire of hell. فَقَالُوا يَا لَيْتَنَا نُرَدُّ They'll say, oh we messed up big time. If we could just be given another chance, return back to the life of the world. وَلَا نُكَذِّبُ بِآيَاتِ رَبِّنَا We would never reject and call false. The signs of our Master and our Lord. وَنَكُونَ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ And we would be from amongst those who believed. بَلْ بَدَى لَهُمْ مَا كَانُوا يُخْفُونَ مِنْ قَبْلِ But you know what would happen? It would resurface. The problems that they had initially would just resurface. وَلَوْ رُدُّوا لَعَادُوا لِمَا نُهُوا عَنْهُ But if they were given another chance, they would go back and just do the same things over again. Because that desire for, for guidance has to come from within. That sincerity that we've been talking about. In Surah Dukhan, Ayah 15, Allah says that we remove the punishment a little bit. And what happens? You go right back to things. That even in the life of this world, when they would sometimes push the, the, you know, things way too far, they would take things way too far, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would afflict them with something, what would they do? They'd go right back to it. There's a really sad incident in the life of the Prophet ﷺ. A man, he comes and participates in the battle of Badr, on the wrong side. Comes to fight against the Muslims in the battle of Badr. And actively participates. He's amongst the prisoners of war, captured, and brought to the Prophet ﷺ. And he begs and he pleads and he cries, Oh, please, please, this happened, that happened, that happened, this happened. The Prophet ﷺ, and he says, I don't have ransom, I don't have anyone to vouch for me, I can't really do anything for you. But I, the Prophet ﷺ says, Okay, I'll release you. I'll release you. On your own accord, of your own accord, I'll just release you. Go back. Free as a bird. You just need to promise to me that you won't fight. Not even become Muslim. You, it's, that has to be your decision. But just promise me that you'll be neutral. You won't just come fight again. And what happens? In the battle of Uhud, the man comes back to fight against the Muslims again. Again. Right? So, إِنَّا كَاشِفُ الْعَذَابِ قَلِيلًا إِنَّكُمْ عَائِدُونَ لَلَجُّوا فِي تُغْيَانِهِمْ يَعْمَهُونَ يَعْمَهُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala لَلَجُّوا فِي تُغْيَانِهِمْ يَعْمَهُونَ يَعْمَهُونَ in the Arabic language, uh, the scholars, the mufassirun, um, 
Some of them quote that وَقَالَ بَعْضُ أَهْلِ الْعِلْمِ الْعَمْهُ عَمَ الْقَلْبِ وَالْعِلْمُ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ تَعَلَى That الْعَمْهُ refers to being spiritually blind. يَعْمَهُون Right? So Allah says, لَلَجُّ They would persist فِي تُغْيَانِهِمْ In their headstrongness, in their transgression. يَعْمَهُون Wandering blindly. They would just go right back to their uh, unfortunate ways. In Surah Yunus, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذَا مَسَّ الْإِنسَانَ أَضُرُّ That when the human being is lightly touched by a little bit of difficulty. دَعَانَا He calls out to us. لِجَنْبِهِ أَوْقَاعِدًا أَوْقَائِمًا Laying down, sitting, standing, crying, screaming. فَلَمَّا كَشَّفْنَا عَنْهُ ضُرَّهُ Allah says, when we remove from him the little bit of difficulty that was put on him, مَرَّة he just walks right off. It's very interesting how Allah describes masahu. He walks right off. Like you know the mental image of somebody just kind of strolling along, whistling, without a care in the world. As if nothing ever happened. No difficulty ever came. Five minutes ago he wasn't sitting there crying his eyes out. Oh please, please. As soon as it's lifted away from do-do-do-do-do. Not a worry in the world. Doesn't care. Ajeeb. Right? So bizarre. Right? And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes here. Ayah 76, Allah says, وَلَقَدَ أَخَدْنَاهُمْ بِالْعَذَابِ That Allah is not saying, this is not theoretical. Subhanallah. This is not theoretical. Allah says, وَلَقَدْ أَخَدْنَاهُمْ بِالْعَذَابِ فَمَا سَكَانُوا لِرَبِّهِمْ وَمَا يَتَضَّرَعُونَ A translation says, we have already afflicted them. We have already afflicted them. Right? Another translation says, and very, and very truly we grip them with torment. As a forewarning against their unbelief. But Allah says, yet they did not submit to their Lord. They will never humble themselves. Right? Allah says, وَلَقَدْ أَخَدْنَاهُمْ بِالْعَذَابِ We've tried them, we've tested them. We've put different types of punishment upon them. But what was the outcome of that? And again, all of these different, you know, what were those uh, possible different types of punishments that Allah is alluding to, referring to here? Well, it varies. So many different things in, person, in their personal lives Maybe things that they've seen other people go through. Overall, communally, of course, if Allah is talking about the people of Mecca, right? We talked about the famine that came upon them, the battle of Badr that they would deal with, and the list goes on and on. That, وَلَقَدْ أَخَدْنَاهُمْ بِالْعَذَابِ فَمَسْتَكَانُوا لِرَبِّهِمْ إِسْتَكَانُوا لِرَبِّهِمْ إِسْتَكَانَ يَسْتَكِينُوا in the Arabic language, refers to إِسْتَكَانَ فُلَانٌ لَا تُقَالُوا إِلَّا لِمَنْ كَانَ مُتَحَرِّكًا حَرْكَةً it refers to somebody being in turbulence and then just calming down. And some of the scholars also explain that istakana in the Arabic language refers to more of like an inner peace. They did not internally make peace with their Lord, with their Master Allah. They didn't. It's in the past tense. وَمَا يَتَضَرَّعُونَ And then Allah says in the present and future tense, nor will they ever humble themselves. يَتَضَرَّعُونَ And تَضَرُّعُ is more of like a physical display of the humility that somebody feels inside. So they will never humble themselves. 
Because they have not yet internally made peace with Allah. So they will never put their head on the ground in front of Allah. They will never spread their hands like this in front of Allah. They will never beg and cry and plead before Allah. Because they haven't internally made peace. And um, Zamakhshari asks the question that, why is istakanu li rabbihim? In the past tense and yatadarra'un in the present tense. And the Quranic nuance here in the language is that in order to really live a life of humility, where your life demonstrates the humility that you have, that you feel before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you, it requires making that inner peace with Allah. And they have not made the inner peace, that's why they will never humble themselves. And that's why the difference between the past tense and the present tense, linguistically within this ayah, this is what we call al-ijazu sarfi fil Quran, that this is what the Quranic nuance linguistically that you can pick up when you study sarf. Alright? Random takbir guy missed his cue. Alright? <laughs> Alright. Ayah 77. Ayah 77. Hatta ida fatahna alayhim baban da adabin shadidin idahum fihi mublisun. A translation says, until we open a gate to severe torment for them, then they will be plunged into utter despair. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَا يَتَضَرَّعُونَ That they will not humble themselves hatta until فَتَحْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ بَابًا Until we open upon them بَابًا A door ذَا عَذَابٍ شَدِيدٍ That has, that contains a very, very severe punishment. إِذَا هُمْ فِيهِ مُبْلِسُونَ but then that will plunge them. Hum fihi. In it, they will be, you know, their fate will be mublisun. Iblas, complete and utter despair. No hope for the future whatsoever. Right? A very, very terrible fate. And of course, what this, Allah talks about this door being opened upon them. This is something Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, speaks about in the Quran. In Surah Al-Zumur, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about حَتَّى إِذَا وَسِيقَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا إِلَىٰ جَهَنَّمَ زُمَرًا حَتَّى إِذَا فُتِحَتْ أَبْوَابُهَا وَقَالَ لَهُمْ خَزَنَتُهَا أَلَمْ يَأْتِكُمْ رُسُلٌ مِّنْكُمْ يَقُصُّونَ عَلَيْكُمْ آيَاتِ رَبِّكُمْ That it's talking about the gates of hell. That the gates of the fire of hell. حَتَّى إِذَا جَاءُوهَا Excuse me. حَتَّى إِذَا جَاءُوهَا فُتِحَتْ أَبْوَابُهَا That when they arrive there, the gates of hell will be opened. Alright? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of course, is generally speaking, speaks about this other places within the Qur'an. حَتَّى إِذَا أَخَدْنَا مُتْرَفِيهِمْ بِالْعَذَابِ We saw this before. وَمَا كَانَ uh, Allah says, وَلَوْ دُخِلَتْ عَلَيْهِمْ مِنْ أَقْطَارِهَا فَإِنَّ لِلَّذِينَ Right? Time and time again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about this within the Qur'an. وَيَوْمَ تَقُومُ السَّاعَةُ يُبْلِسُ الْمُجْرِمُونَ لَا يُفَتَّرُ عَنْهُمْ وَهُمْ فِيهِ مُبْلِسُونَ So when the gates of hell are opened upon them, then at that moment, now they will humble themselves. But it's not beneficial at that point. إِذَا هُمْ فِيهِ مُبْلِسُونَ Because that humility in the life of this world actually provides hope. But that humility on that day of judgment, 
when the gates of hell open and they feel the heat almost rushing out from the gates and devouring them? Allah speaks about this in the Qur'an at the end of Surah Al-Mu'minun, Kalihun. You know, it's a bit harsh. So please excuse me if it's too harsh for someone. But Kalihun literally refers to their faces melting off of them. That that humility that they will obviously have at that moment, it won't benefit them. But the only result of that humility at that moment will be utter despair. That we messed up. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us all. And just as a little linguistic um, point and nuance, Iblas, this word balas, Iblas, refers to utter and absolute despair. And um, some of the grammarians and scholars of the language, they say, وَمِن ذَلِكَ أُشْتُقَّ إِسْمُ إِبْلِيسِ كَأَنَّهُ يَئِسَ مِنْ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ Right, that from this also comes the name of Iblis. Because he has completely lost any hope from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The next ayah, ayah number 78, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَهُوَ الَّذِي أَنْشَأَ لَكُمُ السَّمَعَ وَالْأَبَصَارَ وَالْأَفْئِدَةِ قَلِيلًا مَا تَشْكُرُونَ A brief translation of the ayah is, it is God who endowed you with hearing, sight, and hearts. How seldom you are grateful. So here in this particular ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, obviously as the translator mentioned, He is the one who raised and grew for you, as-sam'a, the ability to listen, to hear, wal-absar, the ability to see, wal-af'idah, and the ability to reflect. And the reason why Allah doesn't just say, خَلَقَ لَكُمْ As-sam'a, He created for you. Or ja'ala lakum as-sam'a, which He does say other places in the Qur'an, that He made for you, placed within you, the ability to hear and see and reflect. But He says, ansha'a lakum. Kind of grew and raised, because that ability grows. That ability grows. Like what you hear, how you hear, and what you hear, it, it's supposed to grow and develop and sophisticate over time. And what you see, and how you see what you see. And what, you know, how you understand things and reflect upon things. And the world around you. It's something that Allah, He's given you the ability to grow that capacity, to grow that ability. So much so, so much so, that the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, right, this is very beautiful, he says, min firasatil mu'min. Be very mindful of the kind of inner vision of the believer. لِيَنَّهُ يَنْذُرُ بِنُورِ اللَّهِ Because he sees by means of the light of Allah. A believer sees the world a different way. He just sees things in a different light. وَلَا تَكُونُوا كَالَّذِينَ قَالُوا سَمِعْنَا وَهُمْ لَا يَسْمَعُونَ Don't be like those people who say, We heard, we heard, we heard you. وَهُمْ لَا يَسْمَعُونَ But they really don't hear anything, they don't listen. They say, We heard you, but they don't listen. لَهُمْ أَذَانٌ لَا يَسْمَعُونَ بِيَا They have ears, they don't really listen though. وَلَهُمْ أَعْيُنُونَ لَا يُبْسِرُونَ They have eyes, but they don't see what they need to see. 
uh, they have hearts, but they really don't understand and reflect on the reality. They're like cattle. Rather, they're even more worthless than cattle. They're useless. Right? So, this is why Allah talks about growing this capacity. Growing it. And this ma is almost like an expression. It's, it's, it's used to really talk about um, how little, qalilam ma. It goes with qalil. Very little, do you, are you actually grateful? Very little, or do you actually express gratitude for? Now, before I mention one of the very, and of course, a couple other references within the Quran, in Surah An Nahl, Surah 16, Ayah 78, Allah said, جَعَلَ لَكُمْ أَسَّمَعَ وَلَبْصَارَ وَلَفِدَى لَعَلَّكُمْ تَشْكُرُونَ That He has placed within you, He has made for you, placed within you, the ability to listen and see and reflect, so that you may develop a sense of gratitude and express gratitude. In Surah Al-Mulk, in Surah 67, Ayah 23, قُلْ هُوَ الَّذِي أَنْشَأَكُمْ He's the one who grew you and raised you. And placed within you the ability to listen and see and reflect. Very little are you actually grateful for. Like very little do you actually express your gratitude. Right? So this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to here. Now before I explain one of very interesting and profound linguistic nuances within this ayah that we're studying here, ayah 78 in surah 23 and similarly the other ayat that I also mentioned as well. Uh, another ayah similarly makes mention of these three things in surah al-Ahqaf, ayah 26, فَمَا أَغْنَى عَنْهُمْ سَمْعُهُمْ That their ability to listen did not help them. وَلَا أَبْصَارُهُمْ Nor did their ability to see benefit them. وَلَا أَفْئِذَتُهُمْ مِنْ شَيْءٍ Nor did their ability to reflect on things help them in the least bit. Because they didn't make use of these gifts. Right? So, what is the connection? We understand the meaning of the ayah. Allah gave you all these gifts and you're so, you didn't do anything with them. You didn't develop a sense of gratitude for Allah. But how does this connect to what was previously being said? Right? How does this relate to what was previously being said? Because now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has obviously laid out what the believers are like, what the believers are not like, what are their excuses for not adopting the attributes and the qualities that they should being embody, that they should embody. But now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, in spite of the fact that they had every single resource they required that they needed. What was missing was that, again, we keep coming back to that point, that sincere desire from within to really believe, to make sense of their lives. That was lacking. So they can't blame anyone or anyone or anything else. So that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala transitions to talking about this here. Um, the other point that I want to mention that's within this ayah as well, that Allah talks about their ability to listen and see and reflect. And then He says, قَلِيلًا مَا تَشْكُرُونَ He didn't say, قَلِيلًا مَا تُؤْمِنُونَ Very little do you believe. He says, very little are you grateful for. Because belief is born out of gratitude. And this is why when Allah teaches us iman, He mentions His blessings upon us. Just start off by being grateful to Allah. By saying, yes, Allah has blessed me and Allah has given me so much. And that gratitude, it fosters belief in iman. That will grow into iman and belief. But the first step is developing a sense of gratitude and instilling a sense of gratitude. 
And so that's what Allah is pointing. Just be grateful. Just acknowledge that Allah has blessed you. And let that carry you the rest of the way. And lastly and finally, I'll point out the linguistic nuance in all these ayats. This ayah in Surah Al-Mu'minun, ayah 78, um, Surah Al-Ahqaf, ayah 26, Surah Al-Nahal, Surah 16, ayah 78 as well, Surah Al-Mulk, Surah number 67, ayah 23. All these ayat where Allah mentions these three blessings, the ability to listen, hear, see, and reflect. In all three, all three of these, in all these different places are mentioned in the Qur'an when Allah talks about the ability to listen, he mentions it in the singular. Sam'ah. Not asma'uhum, but sam'uhum. But when Allah talks about the ability to see, He mentions the plural. Absar. Not basar, but absar. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the ability to reflect, right, the internal reflection, He says, afida, not fu'ad. So why seeing and reflecting is in the plural, but listening is in the singular? And that's a question that some of the scholars of the Qur'an have basically presented here. Something to think about. And wherever these gifts and these blessings are mentioned, and it talks about developing a sense of gratitude, something else that it also talks about there is the fact that the journey to believing starts with first listening to what Allah has said to you. The Qur'an. Right? Heeding the message. And so it's talking about the singularity of the source of where this journey begins. And again, the sequence that Allah mentions them in listening, and then seeing, and then reflecting. It all starts with the Qur'an. That first you got to come to the Qur'an. Then the Qur'an will give you the lens by means of which when you look at the world, then your reflection, what you will see, everyone will see something different. Everyone will have different, a different view of the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the world around them. Everyone will have a different process and a different journey. And then the reflection will also be, very, will be varied. And everyone will have a different means of arriving at that realization of the gratitude to Allah which leads to faith. But it all begins with that singular source of the Qur'an. The Qur'an is the source. It is the guidance. It is what we have to share. It is what we have to present. It is what we have to deliver to the people. It is what we ourselves have to learn to embrace. And until and unless we approach the rest of the process through the lens of the Qur'an, we'll have difficulty on that journey. And we'll get lost on that journey. But the Qur'an is what keeps you on track. And so it's talking about the singularity of the source, which is the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ayah number 71, Allah says, Beautiful. A, 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 translate, a, a translation says that it is He who made you multiply on earth, and it is to Him that you will be gathered. Now, who refers to Allah, He is the one. Dhara'akum. Dhara'a in the Arabic language means to spread, to disperse, to spread out. He is the one who spreads you out within the earth. And so this refers to two things. Not only does it refer to obviously kind of the multiplying of the human beings, as Allah speaks about many places when, within the Qur'an, 
وَبَثَّ مِنْهُمَا رِجَالًا كَثِيرًا وَنِسَاءً In Surah An-Nisa, in the first ayah of Surah An-Nisa, ثُمَّ إِذَا أَنْتُمْ بَشَرٌ تَنْتَشِرُونَ In Surah Al-Rum, ayah 20, that you are human beings that spread out in many, many different numbers. In Surah Al-Mulk, I quoted the ayah similarly, right after that Allah says, قُلْ هُوَ الَّذِي ذَرَأَكُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَإِلَيْهِ تُحْشَرُونَ That He is the one who spread you out into the earth. Um, so it refers to human beings not only multiplying, but also spreading out. Okay? But then Allah says, وَإِلَيْهِ تُحْشَرُونَ And this is why it's powerful. That as much as you spread out, as far as you spread out, as diverse and numerous that you may become, إِلَيْهِ to him alone, تُحْشَرُونَ Will you all be gathered back? That everything goes back to the source. Everything will conclude just as everything began. Everything started with the Amr of Allah, and everything will conclude and end with the Amr of Allah. You came forth by the command of Allah, and you will be summoned together and concluded by the command of Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after saying this in ayah number 80, Allah speaks about the life of the hereafter. وَهُوَ الَّذِي يُحِي وَيُمِيتُ وَلَهُ اخْتِلَافُ اللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ أَفَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ A translation says, It is he who gives life and death. The alternation of night and day depends on him. Will you not use your minds? وَهُوَ الَّذِي And he is the one, الَّذِي The one who? يُحْيِي He gives life. وَيُمِيتُ And he is the one who takes life. وَلَهُ Now this of course refers to the ultimate scenario of giving life and taking away life, and that is in the life of this world. That he's the one who put us in this life, in this world, and he's the one who will take us away from this world. But at the same time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says something very beautiful. He says, Walahu, and to him alone belongs the ability of ikhtilafu layli wa nahar, the alternation of night and day. Now, why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mention that? Because Throughout the alternation of night and day, you experience a state of lifelessness, a lack of consciousness when you go to sleep, and then you wake up every morning. And you go through this process, you experience some level of it every single day. Let's reflect on that. And then realize the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will similarly bestow this upon you in the life of the hereafter. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an he says, وَهُوَ الَّذِي يَتَوَفَّاكُمْ بِاللَّيْلِ Surah Al-An'am, Ayah 60, وَهُوَ الَّذِي يَتَوَفَّاكُمْ بِاللَّيْلِ He is the one who takes you away, your consciousness away, at night, وَيَعْلَمُ مَا جَرَحْتُمْ بِالنَّهَارِ And he knows what you experience during the day. ثُمَّ يَبَعَثُكُمْ فِيهِ But then he's the one that allows you to get up for the next day again. He knows what you went through during the day. He takes away your consciousness and at night, allows you to recuperate and recover, and then raises you up for the next day again. قُلْ أَرَأَيْتُمْ In Surah Al-Qasas, Ayah 71 through 73, Allah says, قُلْ أَرَأَيْتُمْ Have you ever given thought to the fact, إِنْ جَعَلَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكُمُ اللَّيْلَ سَرْمَدًا That if Allah made it night for all of eternity, إِلَى يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ Till the day of resurrection, مَنْ إِلَاهٌ غَيْرُ اللَّهِ يَأْتِيكُمْ who besides Allah is there as a God, as a deity that would bring you light, daylight ever again? تسمعون, are you listening? Why? Because you're in darkness. So listen. But if also have you thought about the fact that 
If Allah made it daytime on you till the day of resurrection, man ilahun ghayrullahi ya'tikum bilaylin taskununa fihi. Who besides Allah is there as a god or a deity that could bring you night so that you may recover and recuperate, find peace and tranquility? Afalatu bisirun. Do you look? See. وَمِن رَحْمَتِهِ جَعَلَ لَكُمُ اللَّيْلَ وَالنَّهَارَ It is from His blessing and His mercy that He made for you night and day. لِتَسْكُنُوا فِيهِ Not only so you seek peace during the night, وَلِتَبْتَقُوا مِنْ فَضْلِهِ And then seek His blessing and benevolence during the daytime, but also so that you reflect on this. And you realize the process that you will go through. وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ In Surah Al-Rum, Surah 30, Ayah 23, Allah says, وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ From His miraculous signs that you should reflect upon. Is you going to sleep, مَنَامُكُمْ بِاللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ And then daytime. وَأَبْتِغَاءُكُمْ مِنْ فَضِيِّ And then during the daytime, seeking out His benevolence and His sustenance. إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَاتٍ لِقَوْمٍ يَسْمَعُونَ in these, in the above stated, are powerful, life-changing, life-changing, perspective-altering signs for people who will actually listen. Though, for people who will listen. But then Allah Subhanahu wa Taala concludes in Ayah eighty-one through eighty-three. بَلْقَالُ مِثْلَ مَا قَالَ الْأَوَّلُونَ. But after all this. They said the same things that the people that came before said. You see how now this ayah is tying back all the way to the passage where the nations of the past were mentioned. But they said the same exact things that those people before them said. Ayah 82, قَالُوا أَإِذَا مِتْنَا وَكُنَّا تُرَابًا وَعِذَامًا أَإِنَّا لَمَبْعُوثُ They said that, that when, if we die, when we die, and we have become nothing but dust and bones, Will we really be resurrected? Really? They're incredulous. Will we really be resurrected? Ayah number 83, Allah says, That they say, That we were promised this. We and our forefathers were promised this. From before. In هَذَا إِلَّا these are nothing but old stories, fables that have been told. Asatid is a plural of the word ustura. Like fables, myths that have been told from the earliest of times. In Surah An-Namal, Allah talks about, they say the same thing in Ayah 67 and 68. Those who disbelieved, who wanted disbelief, who were ungrateful in gratitude, see? Those who are ungrateful in disbelief, they say, أَإِذَا كُنَّا تُرَابًا That when we have become dust, وَآبَاؤُنَا And our forefathers, إِنَّا لَمُخْرَجُونَ Then we'll be extracted again. لَقَدْ وَعِنَّا هَذَا نَحْنُ وَآبَاؤُنَا مِنْ قَبْلِ We and our forefathers were promised. We were promised this, and we and our forefathers from before. إِنْ هَذَا إِلَّا سَاطِرُ الْأَوَلِينَ These are nothing but old stories that have been told for a very, very long time. Now the Mufassirun mentioned that, what does that mean? Like how are they refuting that by saying that we were promised this? How is that a basis of refutation for them? That they're saying that you said that when people leave this world, then they are brought back, they are resurrected. Well, we had many people that passed away before us. We're still waiting. They haven't come back. We haven't seen them yet. Right? And that's that whole attitude of seeing is believing. 
Show me. Bring them back. And then we'll have the conversation, we'll talk about it. But that's very, at the very heart of their insolence. That they don't want to believe. And so they don't. And ultimately at the end of the day, there's really no rationale and logic that changes someone's mind like that. But rather it has to be that realization of that, the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who created me and blessed me and gave me so much. That that gratitude will inspire to belief and obedience. That obedience is born out of gratitude. And unless and until that gratitude exists, then that obedience and that belief just will not. So we'll go ahead and conclude here. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all the ability to practice everything that was said and heard. Subhanallah bihamdihi, subhanakallah bihamdik. Nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta, nasaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk.